I'm just going to open up in prayer just real, real briefly, and uh, then we'll get into tonight's message, which is called Invitation and Movement. So Heavenly Father, uh, once again, I just want to thank you so much for the opportunity we have this year to be together as a church family and to press into the, the, the things that you have in store for us this year. And Lord, I ask that you would, you would begin to shape something, that you would begin to call us forward, that we would hear your whisper, we would know something of your invitation and the call you are, you're putting out to us. And Lord, that we would be the kinds of people who would long to move towards you, who would sense something and would, and would move forward in faith and in hope and in love. So Lord, would you, would you capture and captivate our hearts again as we step into the new things of this season? I pray in your mighty name. Amen. I don't get much good um, mail these days, like in the letterbox. Uh, now that I'm a homeowner, most of the time, it's someone trying to secure money from me in some way, shape, or form. Uh, so it's the bank, uh, or it's an electricity bill, or it's a water bill, or it's uh, just some circular about some gym up the road that's trying to get me on board. It's not very exciting, right? So it seems to me that the only thing I get that's actually nice and to me is an invitation to a wedding or a baby shower, which seems to be something that's starting to happen now as well. These people around me are starting to have babies, and that is a little bit scary. So <clears throat> I get these invitations in the mail. They're always got normally uh, mine and George's names written on uh, with sort of handwriting, which is normally a good sign that you, someone's not asking for money. In fact, if you're lucky and it's one of your birthdays, sometimes it's someone giving you money, right? So anyway, so I don't often get... Uh, don't often get invitations, so when I do get them, I'm quite excited. Georgia is a bit of a, a bit of a design person as well, so she's always like sort of picking apart what it looks like. She's like, I love what they did with the, this thing, and I love the lettering that they chose, and sometimes we get an invitation that she's like, not that into, and uh, that's always like a little bit awkward, but anyway, we get these invitations, and that's always exciting because the thing about an invitation is it allows us to get uh, excited about something we can look forward to and prepare ourselves for. And often what happens when we get an invitation in our house is that about two or three days later, I get a uh, text message from Georgia of some dress that she's seen somewhere, and she's like, is this a cool thing for me to have for the new wedding? So that's normally how things go. Georgia sees it as an, as an exciting opportunity to prepare by buying a new dress. And I see it as an opportunity to prepare by like, having to find more money for those sorts of things. So yeah, that's a joke, and she's not here tonight, so we're allowed to laugh at that. All right? And she won't listen to my sermon online, I know, so I'm not, I feel totally safe about that. <clears throat> but here the, here's the thing about invitation, right? Invitations always enable us the opportunity to look forward to something and prepare ourselves for something. And, and for me, particularly over the last few years, as someone who spent a lot of time um, studying a bit of theology, I've, I've really loved the, the theological concept of invitation, that, um, that God in, in and of himself is inviting, that there's something, you know, when you're in a place and you're like, man, this place is inviting, it's, there's something warm and wonderful, there's something about the presence of God that's inviting, but also that all through the Scriptures, there is a sense of invitation. You see, so much of God's story is about an, uh, an invitation to step into, discover, and play a part in the unfolding story of God's redemptive plan for all humanity and all creation. So much of Scripture points towards that. In fact, even in the Old Testament, we see it coming through in the prophets. Isaiah 55 verses 1 to 3 says this, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? 
Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. Um, hand I will make you an ev- uh, make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Here's what Isaiah is saying. What's really interesting is he takes this whole scope of humanity in these first few lines. He says, hey, if you're thirsty and you're broke, right? If you don't have the means of like looking after yourself, Come, you can, you, can, you can eat. I've got something in store for you. And so, he, and so he reaches out to the lost and the broken and the poor, whether like spiritually or physically or economically, like, like the, the, the last and the lost and the least, right? And then he, and then he talks to the people. Um, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and, and of your labor for which does not satisfy? He's talking to the people on the other end of the side as well, all the people who can afford to buy things for themselves, all these people who can look after themselves, have the food that they want, have the things that they want. And so in this like breath, in this, in this part of Isaiah's uh, prophetic encounter with God, there's this invitation of God that says, hey, all of humanity, all of you, there is this invitation for you to step in and find fulfillment, true fulfillment in me and the things that I have for you and the plan that I have for you. This is what God is up to. There is a constant invitation to step into and find our place in the redemptive story of God. God is in inviting God. This is what this thing has always been about. And I've been thinking a lot about this because, you know, we've had a good chunk of time off. You know, we've basically been off since like mid-December. So it's been nearly, nearly two months that we haven't done night church for, um, which is, which is kind of crazy, but it's just kind of the thing that happened. But I've been thinking a lot about what it means for us as a community. What does it look like? Because in a way, it's, it's a little bit difficult. Like a lot of us are in different sort of like career stages or we're like just finishing university and some of us are just entering marriages and some of us are just starting, like there's people starting to date and there's all kinds of different things going on in this room. And, there's a, and we kind of live in a world that's, that's constantly like pulling us in all these different directions. There's opportunities to go work overseas. We can go travel. Um, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of other like great church communities around that are doing things. There's all kinds of justice initiatives. Like we're constantly invited to go and do things and be a part of things. And I've been thinking so much about, hey, well, what does that look like and mean for us? And it feels to me like, like uh, very early on, like probably like early January sometime, like I, I felt like God was, was calling me to like look at this whole thing of invitation, that there was a sense of inviting us. Like there are some people in this room who have been a part of this church for a good while now. And there are some people, this is like your very first night, but I think that there is a, there is a, a sense of invitation about the season that we're stepping into, a sense of God calling us forward into something. And so here's what I want to do as we, as we embark on this new invitation to grow in relationship relationships, service, and community, and any other area, um, I believe that God is wanting to shape something and call us forward in these areas. And so tonight, using the invitation of Christ in the Gospels, I want to look at how that invitation of Jesus invites us towards three very distinct movements. And I want to suggest that these movements, what they do is they cultivate in our lives a sense of hope, faith, and love in everything that we do. And if we're growing in hope, faith, and love, there's a sense of us growing closer to God and continuing to discover more of who we are in His story and in His plan. And so these movements tonight that I want to talk about are a movement toward, a movement from, and a movement within. So a movement toward. I'm just going to fire through three scriptures very quickly. Mark 1.17, Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. 
Matthew 9, 9. As Jesus passed on from there he, there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And Matthew rose and followed him. John 1, 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. There are these stories across the four gospels of Jesus essentially walking along. And this is kind of the vibe you get when you read the gospels of him walking along. And it's kind of like he sees these people just sitting there doing nothing. They might be sitting in a boat fishing. They might be sitting at a little tax collector booth. They might be sitting under a tree kind of doing nothing. But there's this sense that all he needs to do is go, hey, follow me. And these guys are like, all right, right? <laughs> They're just, okay, sweet. And then Philip's like, hey, Nathaniel, like, you want to come too? You know, it's just like, we're just going to go follow this guy, Jesus. There's not a whole lot of context. But man, there's something captivating about this character of Jesus. And I think it's incredibly revealing, even in that line to, to the fishermen, you know, come with me and I will make you fishers of men. It's like, here these guys are. This is their livelihood. This is their occupation. This is what they do. This is what they know. This is what they've, what's been passed down to them through their family. This is what they're about. All they know is fishing. And Jesus says, well, if you come with me, if you follow me, if you step into this thing, I'm going I'm to take you from that towards this bigger thing, this bigger vision. It's like something is at hand. Something is at, is at play. So Jesus, we see time and time again through the Gospels and His teachings, is what He does is He paints this picture of this future reality, and He refers to this future reality as the kingdom of God. And He talks about it as being this incredibly subversive and powerful act of love that, that, that essentially works in and through all creation and in, in and through every person as they come to know and experience the love of Christ, as they, as they draw closer to God. And so very early on, there's this, there's this sense about what he's doing that makes these people want to drop what they're doing and follow him. It's like suddenly in that moment, this, this lot in life, this thing that they've got, it's not good enough. Being a tax collector for the Roman rule that you're, that you're, you're under, it's not good enough. Just trying to catch fish, fish and put food on the table at night whether it's by selling the fish or just catching the fish for yourself, it's like suddenly, man, this feels not good enough. Just, just not quite right. Whether you're a zealot and you're there sharpening your sword and you're thinking about, you're looking for a Messiah who's essentially going to lead you to some kind of military overthrow of the Roman Empire. If you're hanging out for that and it's like something about the sword business and this battle business and this sort of doesn't feel right. And there's this picture of fulfillment and love that Jesus is painting Right, and it stirs this hope inside, and like I mean, that's that, that's that's half that has to be what we what we see when we look at the response of the disciples. Right, this movement from everything they know towards something that they don't know. You know, yeah, we'll follow you. We'll follow you, teacher. We'll drop what we're doing. We'll risk that. You see, this movement toward uh, is an embracing uh, of hope. It represents a movement towards hope that what lies ahead is something better, more beautiful, more profound than what is currently at hand. And here's the thing, right? It gives us a vision and a framework of something to believe in. And this is what the inbreaking kingdom of God is all about. It's like, man, there are things going on in our life and or in my life or there are things going on in the world around us. It's just not right. Like there's just this sort of internal angst inside of me like, 
What if there was something else that we could move towards? What if there was something better? This is what the kingdom of God and the love of Jesus and the love of God invites us towards. There is this, there is this opportunity to embrace hope. And so when Jesus says, follow me, there's a movement towards hope. There's a movement towards a better future reality. That's what's happening in these stories. So these guys get up and go. And so here's the thing. I, think, I, don't, I don't think that that's a static invitation. I don't think it's an invitation that was only once extended sort of 2,000 years ago. It seems to me through the stories and through the Gospels that actually Jesus invites people to follow him. And it's, it's an invitation that echoes through centuries and through millennia and echoes through our lives almost every single day. It's like there's a gentle whisper of God for us right now that says, will you follow me? Will you step into hope? What are you feeling hopeless about? What, are you, what's, what seems to be lacking? What, what sense of missing out is there? And I feel like for us, there is an opportunity as a community and as individuals to step in, to, in and towards faith. For us, uh, sorry, in and towards hope and make a movement towards hope. Hope is something that we can reclaim. Hope is something that anchors us in the knowledge of this future reality. We can cling to hope. So Jesus invites us to move toward hope. And so it just requires us to actually take that first step. To almost like nonchalantly, like it seems in the Gospels, to go, all right, yeah, I'll follow you. So that's the first thing I think that, that God is stirring and, and prompting us to think about as a community. The second thing is this, is that I think, I think God is challenging us that, that any response to an invitation is also a movement away from, that there's a movement from that takes place. You see, this movement, this response to the invitation requires us to leave something behind and, you know, it actually seems a little bit easy. Like, when you look at these guys, like, it actually seems really easy that they just, they left behind. The fishermen left what they were doing, right? It seems like it was a really easy thing for them. But what's fascinating to me when you look at the gospel story and you get to the point where Jesus dies on the cross and he's buried in the tomb, what's fascinating to me is that, you know, within three days, do you know what those guys are back doing? They're fishing again. What happens when you lose hope? You just revert, right? It's so easy to just sink back into old patterns, into old thoughts, into old lifestyle. You know, there's this movement from that we're invited towards, and it's very easy for us to slip back. This is the hard thing that's very hard to detach from this stuff. Luke 18 uh, has this story about an incredibly wealthy young man who, who obviously loves God and takes his faith very seriously. And he comes to Jesus and he says, you know what, this is paraphrasing, but essentially he goes, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do to be a part of this thing? And Jesus says, well, well, you know, what are you up to? And he's like, well, I've, you know, like, uh, I, you know, I say my prayers and I I've obey my parents and I do all this sort of stuff. And Jesus says, well, you know, in, in uh, Luke 18, 22, he says, uh, he says, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And what's fascinating is that this guy leaves sad because he can't fathom having to leave these things behind, to part with these things. So much of his social identity, so much of who he is, is tied up in his possessions and what he has. You know, uh, there's a status that comes with having things. 
And to, and to not have that is uncomfortable. It's not secure, right? There's not a whole lot of control that comes with a story like that. It's hard to trust in that space that his needs will be provided for. Here's a guy who's never lacked, never wanted, never needed because he was able to provide. Right? This is like the wealthy people in the Isaiah, in the Isaiah chapter. But it's hard to, to trust that God will provide in, those, in the tough seasons when you don't have. It can be so tricky for us to leave behind our lifestyle and our security that our lifestyle affords us. But the invitation of Christ calls for a movement from. And this is an embracing of faith. You see, the invitation of Christ calls us to embrace faith, to put our trust in God. And that can actually be a really scary and uncomfortable thing because it actually means leaving some things behind. Now, that doesn't mean that what we step into on the other side, that the thing that we step into is, is absolutely guaranteed. People try very hard to put God in a box and figure out what that is. But actually, the more I learn, like God is actually this like, incredibly mysterious and complex thing that faith is, faith living a life out in faith can be incredibly difficult right? It can, be, it can be messy at times. You know, you can do something in faith that it can feel like God's not even there. And you can be like, God, I thought this was the thing. I thought you were in this, you know? And there's this, there's this incredibly difficult thing that we have to live out and move in when we live in faith. But the invitation, I think, of Jesus, I think, is to continuously trust, even when it feels uncomfortable, even when there's a sense of uncertainty. And I think that, that for us, for, for me, for some individuals here, that there is, a, there is an invitation towards, towards trust. It's like if you've got a tendency to like revert to old habits or if, you, if there's a sense of like, oh, but actually there's these elements of my life, my life that I really like and I really want to cling to. It's like I think that there's an invitation to step away from those things and actually leave those things in the past. I think it's an invitation towards maturity and faith. And I want to be clear, that doesn't mean having things all figured out and being able to, to, to know everything. I think it's an invitation to grow in how we trust God, to learn how to trust God in new ways. So every time we respond to the invitation of Jesus, there is a movement from that takes place. And finally, there's a, um, there's a movement within that happens. When we respond to the invitation of Christ, there's, something begins to change because we, we're looking at the way Jesus lives in, in the world. We're looking at the way people are impacted and it begins to do something to us and shape something in us. One of the things I find, uh, I was thinking about earlier today, it came out of uh, Luke 9.23. Jesus said to all, if any would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, that seemed like a strange thing to think about within, but I was thinking about the fact that, like, recently, some of you guys know I'm into getting tattoos. That's all right. We don't judge people here, right? Um, <clears throat> but I got a Sacred Heart tattoo, and someone, and someone asked me, they were like, well, why did you get that? Is, isn't that like a super Catholic thing or something? And I was like, well, it's actually just this ancient Christian symbol. It's been around a long time. And what it is is a symbol of the compassionate and uh, sacrificial love that God has for humanity. And that was something that, uh, that I, wanted, I felt like I wanted to carry with me. And, 
and when I looked at that, that scripture of the cross, it was like there's a sense of like when you, when you consider the story of Jesus, when you think about that element of sacrifice, when you think about that, that, uh, that element of compassionate love to step in on behalf of, it's like, and, and, you, and you begin to, I don't know, become captivated by that and begin to become drawn in by it. It's like, man, I, I want to be about that. I want to I embody that. Like, that, like you can't encounter that in some way. You can't experience Jesus' love for you in that sort of capacity and not be completely stirred by it. And so it's like this embracing of God's compassionate, divine, um, sacrificial love stirs something in it. It stirs something deep within us. And it can't help but move us towards compassionate, sacrificial, generous, radical love. And so the invitation towards, the, 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 the response of the invitation from Jesus to follow him, as we move towards those things and as we move from other things, there is a, a movement that happens within us, right into the very depths of our soul, that calls us to, to move in the rhythms of God's love, to embrace love in everything that we do. Um, this movement within becomes an embracing of everything that God's doing and his whole story and embracing his love for us and an embodying of this and an embodying of his compassionate love for the world. The more we're able to do that, the more we are able to see God's work, uh, God's work at work in our lives. The more we move toward this love, the more we become anchored and secure, uh, the more we're able to do that the more we'll be able, we're actually able to navigate the sort of more messy elements of faith and hope. You see, because hope is the thing that we can kind of lose sight of very quickly when we move towards something and suddenly it seems like it's not there, we, that can feel messy. We can kind of go, actually, I'm going to start reverting back and it becomes hard to be a little bit faithful and becomes hard to be a little bit hopeful. But when we're anchored in the love of God, when we know that to be true, when we are experiencing it and we're practicing it and we're beginning to embody it, that begins to do something inside of us. Paul talks about this, 1 Corinthians 13, he talks about how faith and hope have no real bearing without love as their center point. And so this movement within is something that needs to take place. It needs to be this thing that we grow in. And as we continue to respond to the invitation of Jesus, that, that invitation to follow me each and every day, as we begin to do that, God is able to anchor us more, not just in his love, but in faith and in hope as well. And so this becomes then the invitation that is extended to us. You know, if we could be here tonight and we could say, hey, and we could know that Jesus is saying to us, would you follow me? Would you move towards me? Would you move towards the things of my kingdom? Would you move towards ways of radical love and radical generosity in a, in, a, in a better way, a better future? If you could move towards that, what would that look like? What does that movement look like for you tonight? And does it stir hope inside of you? And what would it move, look to, to move away from some things? Are, are there some things that you know that you just like won't let go of? And it's like, man, well, I actually really want to follow, but it feels like I'm just being like kind of held back by these things. Or actually, like every single time it feels like I step out in faith, it's like, what happens is so uncomfortable, and I just know that, that this, this way is safer and more secure. What does it look like to respond to that invitation and grow in faith? 
And what does that movement within look like? Is, it, is the love of God something that we're pressing into and connecting with and knowing at a deeper level? Is there a, a certain submission and a sacrifice that takes place on our behalf that allows us to establish this deeper connection with God? Is that something, I don't know, something that grabs you? Because it's something that grabs me. That there is this invitation that is extended to us. And we, when we respond to it, and we experience these movements, we begin to draw closer to discovering our place in God's story. And and I think that's incredible. So this is the invitation that is extended to us. Come and follow me. When we respond to that, we're invited to move toward, away from, and within. And in the process, we are invited to embrace hope, to embrace faith, and embrace love.